Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial service. I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Hi, and welcome back to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm here with Clady and Amanda, and I'm Ian, um, your third co-host. And today we're going to talk about um, telling your transition narrative and whether you always have to be positive in that message and in your documents, like your resume and your cover letter and anything else that an HR website portal makes you fill in um, when you're telling your transition story. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And like, I'm going through this now with a lot of jobs and trying to like, you know, I think my resume needs to read a lot better. And at this point, I've accumulated enough writing and editing experience that I can tell a positive story about how, like, yes, see, I really want to do this. Look at all the editing and writing that I've been doing and trying to get into. And, you know, I'm trying to be organized about it all, but maybe I'm not. But it still needs to read as a, um, you know, as a good persuasive document. And I'm not sure that it always does. Cover letters I do better with because they're more like traditional writing. But it's taken me a long, long, long time to tell a positive story, and I still have a hard time with it, just saying, like, yeah, I'm leaving academia behind, but, you know, it's not all, like, rosy. Yeah, I think that one of the problems that you may encounter once you are working on your resume and you are applying for a position that is not really what you've been doing that you might find it hard to uh, one show them in a positive way how you are um, you have skills to do that job so yes for instance mm-hmm. I was I was actually um, I'm actually working on on our, my resume now and one of the things that someone pointed out to me was like, oh, people usually put the work experience in the top of the resume. And then after that, mm-hmm. they put the skills. And, and I actually, that was my alternative to overcome that. I, <laughs> I flipped it over. I put my skills first and I put the work history in the end because um, it, my understanding is I, my work experience doesn't have anything to do with that particular job that I'm applying to. Mm-hmm. So uh, in order to try to do mm. the positive thing, uh, in the beginning of the, of the document, I tried to put the skills named by what the ad is looking for. So if the if the position is looking for a scientific writer, you will put scientific writing experience, and then you mm-hmm. will put mm-hmm. all the all the bullet points that will show them that you do have experience on that, and and I think that I will put them in order 
of even in their appearance on the job ad like uh, if they are looking for a scientific writer that has outstanding communication skills and blah 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 we'll put first the scientific uh, experience and then the communication skills experience and so on does it make any sense yeah, yeah that makes sense to me yeah and that's how i would think of doing it yeah I, I mean yeah and i guess that's what i need to do more is like yeah i mean you just hire a professional resume person to help me because i think i kind of suck at it um like putting my work experience and skills first um yeah, or the skills first and then the work experience second. That might actually be a really good idea and, like, put it more in context, I guess. Because in the cover letter, I have no problem doing that, but I'm not sure anyone actually reads cover letters. I think that most of the of the people, they will look at your resume first yeah. because um, I know that there's a lot of people that will apply for a position no matter what even if they don't have the essential right. credentials. So yeah. if if they really, I don't know, if they're looking for a chemist and, and you don't have a degree in chemistry, but you think that you might fit, uh, that might be a harder way because then they will look at, they will look at the resume and see, oh, if you're not a chemist, then trash it and don't even read the cover letter. But I think that in a way mm -hmm. that um, that that will be like a big screening, like and they might and some I know that some right. industry they do have like softwares that will look for keywords. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So if your CV, yeah, you, so your C, your CV doesn't have these keywords, then yes, maybe the the cover letter is not going to be right uh, read. Yeah, that's a good point. But I believe that still the cover letter is important. And if you pass that, um, I, I the way that I see things is like the resume is the one who's going to uh, make the first cut. It's going to put you in the big pile of maybe or definitely not. Yeah. And the cover letter is the one that will help you to actually get the job. Because the cover letter, the, the resume is just a piece of paper with your, uh, a bunch of um, disconnected skills and things that, uh, and the cover letter is the one who actually will make you a person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I kind of think of the um, resume as the thing that like ticks the boxes. Yes. Like they have all those, they have all those things that they want and the resume lets them see how many of those boxes you tick and the cover letter is what like you said tells the story yeah i mean and getting back to that narrative thing a bit like it's i mean i think some of what we've talked about before can make this a little harder to be like super upbeat even if you're somebody who wants to leave academia it's you know there is like the thing of the culture sort of making it seem like you failed and you're going to be dead to academia forever and i think that makes it harder to be feel positive plus you're jumping into a new thing that you're probably not as experienced with um at least at first and yeah like it, it's always amazing it still amazes me that you know like people have made this leap because like i haven't really done it yet and it's just like holy cow how do people actually do this <laughs> um like it just seems like you know i don't know like i, I don't know how to like you know maybe it's like 
it feels like it's a rare event. It's like quantum tunneling. Like it just sort of like randomly happens. Like you're on one side and then you're on the <laughs> other just magically. Um, well, physics, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just sort of like, oh, seems like you're there and there. Yeah. And like, how did you tell your story that, you know, was just so that I just did an information interview with someone who, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, she did like a short postdoc and like she realized that what, wanted to leave academia and then like just this perfect job presented itself that's, you know, and she's like a science writer now for, you know, a nonprofit place. And it's a really, really cool sounding job. So, you know, it's just like, wow, why can't I just get that lucky somehow? And maybe I'm just because I'm not looking for it or, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just those things of like trying to like convince yourself not to turn off your skeptical brain and turn on your hopeful non-scarcity type mind to like really tell your story in a good way i think that there is a little bit there's a little bit of uh i wouldn't say hope but the positivity there i think that that that's a good mm -hmm. word that we need to address and and what i think um there's a lot of um i don't know psychological uh, there's the secret, you know, the secret that they say that if you really want something, you have to visualize yourself and that will magically happen. Okay, I'm not, <laughs> I don't believe in that, but I think that you can use certain aspects on that to be more positive and um, because you're saying like, oh, I haven't done the transition. I feel like I failed and, and yes, I've been through that. And, and I don't think that there is an on and off, off switch. It, it took time. Oh, yeah. It takes time. And, and it's mm -hmm. an ongoing process. And I feel like now I'm almost... Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm almost over it. But I'm much better than I was uh, when I first started. Let's put it like yeah. that. But um, you can... I think the one thing is like you... Think about academia as um, what are you doing there and what would you go if you continue there? And you probably won't like the things that you're going to think mm -hmm. about it. And then once you're applying for a job, uh, kind of visualize yourself doing that and think about how happy you will be doing that yep. job. And then write that in the cover letter yeah that's how i always focused on was i never really talked about my reasons for leaving i always talked mm -hmm. about like it was never a compare and contrast it was this is my interest like i enjoyed doing like mm -hmm. i enjoyed doing the science and then i realized that hey i really like this and then i went towards that right so I was really focused on, like, that is a direction to where I am growing. But I get what you're talking about, the skepticism. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still working, like, I work, I guess, academia adjacent, because I do the science editing for grants and manuscripts. And I actually um, ended up turning down a client this past week. Mm. Because, um, like, we had a mm. phone conversation about their manuscript and everything, and they're getting their PhD, and they wanted to they wanted help with advising for sub submitting a, an article to a journal and they wanted some help on the on the manuscript itself to get it kind of in shape and I was like 
yeah, I can help you with that. Like, there's some, there's other complicated issues as to why their mentor is not doing this. But long story short, he was like, yeah, so, you know, I kind of figured I needed to do this because in case you didn't know, in academia, you need to publish articles. So that's really the currency of academia. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you, you came to me and you know I have a, you know I have a doctorate. You know this is not my first rodeo. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, oh, yes, I know. And he's like, yeah, I just figured you probably had one of those silly doctorates. And I'm like, oh, Whoa. my God. Yeah, like, because you're wow. not an academic anymore. And I was like, oh, so like, I'm telling you guys this and you're like horrified, but like I, it took me a good, I don't know, a couple of hours to recover to be like, I am not a failure. Because <laughs> it oh threw me God. off of my equilibrium. So I understand that whole like skeptical brain thing because that got me just, you know, wow, Wednesday. Yeah. And I, right. Tuesday. Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I so- think another aspect of that might be that to some extent, like the, it, it might be slightly inversely proportional to how fresh you are outside of academia because like it's true you know, yeah, it could be i mean you know what i mean it's just like a couple of years from now something like that it won't bother you very much at all mm-hmm. um, but right now it does because you're relatively new at it still and you know yeah. it's like new experience but you know it'll it'll get there i guess yeah and i guess the other yeah i mean it makes sense to like i mean because i'm doing that too with focusing on the positive now because like i have a lot of experience like you know i've been blogging for a while and that's you know could i promote it more could i do better with sure of course always but you know like i'm editing i've got real experience doing that and i'm gaining more all the time like you know i'm doing a lot of that Mm -hmm. and you know it's sort of moving in that direction like i'm still not like there are just things that i'm just you know don't feel particularly good at like which is you know they're just things that are inherent to the job search of you know actually seeking out what jobs are out there and like i'm getting better at networking but i still feel like a little bit that i don't do enough of it and i'm still not the best person at that um and i mean though like again like i can i have a lot more stories about information interviews and things that i've done and but like again like i'm not sure i'm using my network well like you know I mean, there's all these things that i can like yeah. sit there and tell myself about undermining i guess the other thing we should talk about too maybe is when you actually land a job interview and or like if you do like mm-hmm. telling your story there um and you know being positive about when you're inevitably asked this question of so why are you leaving academia like what's the story like you know um right, and right. i think you know a lot of it is just well yeah i mean it because I want to do something different, basically. Uh, and like this is what I'm excited about now. And, like, because I want to do something that I'm more excited about than science, like, than bench science. Yeah. But I don't know if that's a good answer. I think that that's uh, on the lines that uh, whenever I got interviewed, I said it was more along those lines. Like, the, yeah, this is, uh, science is, is terrific, but, uh, I am more passionate about other things and I feel like I can transfer the skills that I learned doing science to do something else that will uh, bring me more happiness rather than that. Yeah, like I always said that um, I, what did I say? I always said that I 
found that I found this part of science very interesting and that was the direction I wanted to go and staying in academia wouldn't let me do that mm-hmm. and that kind of seemed to make everybody happy and it didn't sound negative it was just right it's not you it's me right and you're just choosing to you know do what scientists do which is specialize I, I mean you know like mm-hmm. a, and like you're specializing in something that's away from the bench but that's okay uh, I yeah I mean yeah, and in your case, it's the, it's the same thing, Ian. Right. In your case, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. You're also doing something that is totally related to science, but is outside, mm. it's just not on the bench. So it's yeah, I just decided okay. that, right, that I like, sci- I like the science communication problems better and mm-hmm. also like trying to help scientists and get their word out like more. Um, I feel like that is something that i care about more than the actual bench science anymore so i have yet to like sort of branch out but yeah i think that's a really good transition story like Mm -hmm. what you just said like this is the thing that i care about more this is what i'm passionate about is doing this and i think i and i can be good at this right and i think that's a very that's a very powerful right Uh, no it is and i guess like what i would say like Conveying this on the screen and through the internet is a lot easier for me than doing it in person <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, again, like, this is just a quirk of me, I know, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I really am passionate about that, but people are like, well, you don't sound like it. And uh, <laughs> I guess I sort of worry about, you know, I, I worry about the interview process more than I do the actual, like, writing part of it because i think i actually am you know decent at that like enough enough people haven't said like well no because your writing is bad you know like they said no because the content is not right or something but it's not like i think that if you you not the writing itself but uh in the cover letter i believe that you should try to add that passion not be just like a yeah and i standard. do and like i've gotten actually better like it my cover letter is getting more refined as i send more in um yeah it is I, you know and i believe that this part that uh you deal better with the writing than actually talking to person i think that uh that's not one of the uh you're not going to apply for a job probably that needs to be you have to have excellent communication skills and networking and talk to everybody. Yeah. And it's more like if it's a science editing, I believe that people, uh, you need to focus. Okay, my point is you need to focus on the things that you are good and what Mm -hmm. the things that you are good that will fit into that particular Mm -hmm. job. Right. And I, I mean, what I would say about, you know, the talking part of it, you know, if like, I mean, say for i mean i'm doing this podcast with you guys so and that's fine i you know i i don't have a problem talking if it's part of the job like the core inherent part of it but i'm still like i still prefer like the smaller groups the one-on-one like a couple like a couple months ago i landed a job interview and brought me out and like i was in a room with like seven people at once and you know meeting all of them for the first time and i was just like oh my god this is the most uncomfortable thing ever um <laughs> yeah so yeah i was gonna say like does 
the place where you're doing your postdoc, I don't know why I'm trying to be coy, but the place where you're, trying, where you're doing your postdoc, do they offer things like mock interviews? Not that I know of. Just to do practice? Right. So, I mean. Like in their career, so, so like career services center or whatever it is I, called right. in your particular institution. Right. No, I, they don't, as far as I know. In fact, I, I mean, it's literally like, I mean, I may be able to go in there and I think they're making the shift to being a postdoctoral office as well, career office as well. But right now they only serve graduate students. And I think undergrads too, oh, okay. probably. But, um, but yeah, there's literally nothing for postdocs where I am. Basically, I mean, not nothing. Like, there's a lot more than there once was for sure. But it's still like sort of a desert relative to like what there is for graduate students. And so, like, you know, yeah. and again, like, and they won't let you guys use it. Not that I've ever heard, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. it's just. I mean, my old institution was the same. You know, I could be one of those people who's bold and be like, "Hey, why not?" But mm -hmm. I, again, like, if I ever, if this comes up, like, you know, I may, like, I will probably work on my narrative and practice all the questions that I think they might actually ask, because like most interview questions are pretty standardized. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. again, yeah. I mean, and I guess, like, for me, I, another, I mean, it's not as much of a struggle as it used to be, but, and, like, you know, this is something that might come up is, and I do wonder about this sometimes, like, you know, like, I'm open about, yeah, like, I was super depressed as a postdoc, and, like, clinically so, and, you know, it was rough, like, it was bad, and, you know, I talk about it now because it's important to talk about, I feel, and so I do, and, like, you know, I can tell a positive narrative of that it's like yeah look i'm tough and i'm willing to have these hard conversations and like i'm willing to listen and this has made me care about people a lot more than i ever would have thought possible like you know what i mean it's just like yeah, i care about people yeah and so you know hence my interest in becoming a science writer where i you know hopefully will get to interact with a lot of people who are scientists and help tell their story um like i still have get to branch out into that like the reporting part side of it but um, where I go out and see quotes and stuff, but I've done a little bit of it and it's a lot of fun. Like I really do actually enjoy it. So anyway, so like I can tell a positive story about that even, right? So like mm -hmm. something that's seemingly dark, but like, it's like, look, I, I will have this discussion and say like, no, this has made me stronger and I survived it. So, you know, and I'm still here and I'm still persisting and this is how I'm going to approach the job too. Like I'm going to persist and be tenacious and dogged and I will you know, I will get it done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I will do it. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that is nice that you're kind of like thinking about uh, possible questions and kind of rehearsing a little bit. But I, I think that one of, at least for me, one of the things that always worked uh, was to be honest and true and just try yeah. to speak from the heart and not just like because i think that if you try to and it doesn't matter if uh, if you try to be someone that you're not just in order to get that job i don't i don't think that it's going to stick mm -mm. and and eventually it's not going to work and the other thing is uh sometimes when you think too much about what you should say you end up talking too much of things that they don't want to know does that make any sense mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, it, most of it is practice of just getting like a concise answer or some vague idea. But I guess this also brings up the question of like when you have to tick like little boxes about like a lot of jobs have like X years experience in field Y, Z, and you have to tick the box. Like, do you have this much experience? And it's like, well, if I stretch my narrative a little bit, I guess so, <laughs> but not <laughs> truly. Like, I mean, like some, some say like, oh, you need five years science writing experience. I'm like, well, I graduate school and postdoc. Like I've been writing about science, <laughs> but not what you're exactly talking about. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's those kinds of things that aren't quite what we're talking about in, in narrative-wise, but, like, I think they fit in a little bit, too. And, like, I think, I wonder if you're, like, taking that box on the internet, the HR sees it, and they're just gonna, like, if you're honest, you're, they're just gonna toss out your application straight away. Um, I, I don't, don't know. think so. I think that those numbers are more like, uh, they want to just avoid Guideline. people that don't have any experience. Uh, I don't think that four or five... Yeah. Ten. Yeah, I think it's more of a skill thing. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to say about interviewing is I wanted to throw out there that Ask a Manager. Um, oh, yeah. Askamanager.com yep. is yeah, really is. good at interview advice. Um, mm-hmm. Before a bunch of my interviews, and even before now when I'm like talking to potential clients, I'll go if I know that enough ahead of time. I'll go on their, I'll go on her website and I'll like look for advice and things like that. So I wanted to throw out a plug there, like a useful resource for our listeners. Yeah, that's that's yeah. good. And there's a lot of other advice too there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So does anyone have anything else to say about this? I think we've covered, you know, how to be positive in your career arc. One thing that I thought about saying at some point, uh, it, um, what I believe is that sometimes uh, when you're in the middle of transitioning and looking for jobs and applying for jobs um, you you have so much on your mind and it's easy to bring you down and to make mm-hmm. you feel like you're not doing enough yep. but you have to understand that you're still doing your job you're looking for jobs you are uh, organizing your resume making cover letters applying for jobs and now still uh, thinking about interviews and how possible interviews and how you're going to be uh, positive in those interviews and it's a lot it's a lot for you to handle and it's okay to feel overwhelmed but don't feel like you're not doing enough and sometimes I think that in this regard, more is not necessarily better. Because if you mm-hmm. just apply mm-hmm. for like 10 jobs or want to network with 10 people uh, per week, then you end up not doing a good job. So I guess that is sometimes it's better to just uh, try to tempo down and do less but more focused mm-hmm. that's kind of like my last yeah. uh, uh, piece of advice yeah I like that I think taking yeah. care of yourself is very important during this process too because mm-hmm. you do too much you're not going to be good to anybody and I think there's something to be said for scheduling time off like yeah, being able to say I'm taking 
Tuesday off and I'm not going to work on a single thing and I'm doing that on purpose so you don't feel guilty because otherwise if you're like me you'll end up procrastinating when you should be doing that and then you feel bad and then you can't waste any more time and it's a never-ending cycle so I think being able to schedule that time off is really important yes I would second that Uh, yeah exactly and Yes, I would second that exactly. Scheduling some time off and taking care of yourself. And I, I mean, still, I, I still am trying to crack the code of making myself do things when I need to do them and the not procrastinating. And so maybe actually scheduling real time off will really help me with that. Like I try to carve out Saturday mornings as my sacred time that nobody's allowed to tell me what to do or bother me. And I just do what I do. Um. And so, and I, I stick to that pretty heavily. Like I go to the coffee shop and, you know, read books and stuff. The, uh, but right. No, I think that's really is important. And I guess the other thing I was going to say is do keep up with like the things that, you know, I would say like if you're a PhD transitioning and you're getting experience in your new industry, do try to keep up with those kinds of things even if it's just emailing whoever your network contacts are and saying, Hey, you know, I'm still here and blah, 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 like doing this. And here's how I've been thinking or how, you know, do you have any news? Like I think maintaining your network is kind of important and it's sort of a low energy task in a lot of ways. So, cause like, again, this is something that I'm sort of like regretting not doing as much of, uh, but I think that can be a really powerful thing too. It's just because like people are happy to talk about themselves and they'll get back to you a lot of times just saying like, yeah, thanks for checking in. Yeah. I think that's a good mm-hmm. thing to do too. Cause like, it, you know, cause it makes you feel like, Oh, there are people out there on the other side of academia waiting for you to, you know, who, who are potential like future colleagues. And if not, maybe, you know, possible future friends and uh, possible future, you know, whatever's like you know people new people in your life who can populate that new field that you you enter yeah and sometimes the less the less time that you talk to them uh sometimes there's things new sometimes they they just heard about something else mm-hmm. and they didn't necessarily thought about you think about you so it's always good to kind of like Hey, I'm here. I'm doing that. I'm still here, and and then maybe something new will pop up. Yes, definitely. Yep. So yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah. No. I think that. I again, like this is these are things that you know, I'm trying to do that more, and it's just a hard habit to pick up. And like, I'm a horrible procrastinator about getting back to people. Like, I know we talked in a previous episode about getting back to people with email, but. I feel like that's sort of like take care of yourself for sure and you know tell your positive narrative and like also i guess networking can help you tell that positive narrative story like it'll help you like refine what you want to how you want to talk to people and um it's probably good interview practice in some ways when you talk to people so yeah and like just today like i've got a weird story and i feel a little bad because like i i met somebody a couple months ago at a department picnic um, or department Christmas party, holiday party. And, um, I ran into her in the hallway today and was talking to her and I feel bad because I don't remember, I didn't remember her name and I didn't ask because me idiot. But anyway, I gave her my email address (laughs) and she's going to send me some contact information about 
you know, a couple of things that, you know, an information interview opportunity and some stuff for an article that I'm writing. So that was like the most random thing that happened today. And so it really does just sort of serendipitously happen sometimes that, like, you know, somebody you meet, you'll run into again, and they'll benefit you in a way that you did not realize. Yeah, that's why networking is so important, because you never know who uh, can help you, will ever be able to help you. Sometimes even people that you don't think that will never be able to help you, in the end, turns out that they know someone, that they know someone, or they heard something, and then they do, so... Yeah, you got to be always open and try to meet and talk about what do you want to do, what you're pursuing to as many people as possible. Yes, I yep. second that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So with that, um, I think we can end this episode of Recovering Academic. That's a good note to... Uh, to say goodbye on and we will see you next time on Recovering Academic bye everyone bye see you next time bye see you next time bye okay thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic podcast our music is from bensound.com under a creative commons license you can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lady Scientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore PMS. And I'm at IH Street. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower. <laughs>